Penn State shut out Maryland 30 to nothing. It was quite the game for the Nittany Lions. These are my takeaways. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between Penn State and Rutgers at 3.30 right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for the price you'll love. Try it today. It was announced yesterday that Penn State and Rutgers will be played on the Big Ten Network, 3.30 kickoff. And I, I expect Penn State and Michigan State to also be a 3:30 game as well, uh, because of what we know with Fox carrying Michigan and Ohio State at noon. So ABC, ESPN will make that one adjacent uh, to that game. My name is Zach Seiko, your host of Locked On Nittany Lions. As always, uh, thank you for tuning in onto the podcast version of this episode, or if you are watching on YouTube, you can subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions. But thank you for using uh, both platforms to get these episodes, uh, whichever way you choose to watch or to listen. I really do appreciate it. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. You can also follow my personal account. You see the lower graphic uh, on the YouTube version of this, but you can follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Seiko. It is the takeaway episode. I got seven of them for you. Seven takeaways from Penn State's win over Maryland, 30 to nothing in another rainy Beaver Stadium. It's Big Ten football in November. It doesn't get any better than that. At least Penn State's built for it. Maryland, not so much. Uh, They need a dome or they need to move back to the ACC or (laughs) I can't say that they can flip over to the SEC. I'm not going to joke about that. Uh, And later on in the show, I'll finish up with this. Penn State men's basketball takes on Butler today. A little brief preview about that and just where the Nittany Lions are to this point. And Penn State wrestling is now in full swing. Cale Sanderson's group is 1-0 on the season after defeating Lock Haven in its first dual meet of the year. Just talk about the team a little bit, what I thought stood out. So some, some takeaways there as well. But now we are in the Penn State sports equinox. All the main Penn State sports, hockey, basketball, football, wrestling, are all going on, and it's great. It's going to make the shows a lot of fun as we wind down the football season, but still, we got a lot of sports uh, picking up here for Penn State. Uh, So let's just jump right into those takeaways for Penn State football. Seven of them. Here's number one. Takeaway number one is Nicholas Singleton is getting better in real time. That's right. The freshman running back. Wow. Who would have thought that he was going to improve? You know, this is uh Katron Allen's job. He took over. He's better. He's better suited for the offense. I agree with that. I think that's the case. I've made that point a bunch of times. I think that Katron Allen is a very good running back and I think he's a great fit in this offense, but it's not to say that Nicholas Singleton can't do those things as well. That Nicholas Singleton can't be physical. That Nicholas Singleton uh, can can do more than just be a speed back, and that's what we're seeing in real time. I both of them can be good on any given day. It doesn't have to be well. Singleton needs to outperform. No, no, no. Uh, this is an expanded takeaway here. But Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, I think we still need to appreciate what they can do uh, on their individual skill sets. 
know, one's a power back, one's a speed back, one has better vision right now. The other one is very good at one cut and go. Uh, Singleton, the second he gets to the outside, you can't catch him. Catron Allen is very good, but is he missing that fifth and sixth gear? Yeah, I think so. And I know that he'll work on it, but Nicholas Singleton has that. So instead of saying Nicholas Singleton needs to be more like Saquon Barkley or Catron Allen represents you know, what Miles Sanders used to be, my comparison's Journey Brown and Noah Kane from the 2019 season because of the way they had the speed and power. Journey Brown was the speed. Noah Kane was the power, was able to work in between the tackles, and Journey Brown was great at getting to the outside. And I see that very reminiscent of these two, at least in their time. Right now, as 18-year-olds, as true freshman running backs, because when they're sophomores next year, juniors in their third season, I think they'll be both complete feature backs and they won't have to necessarily complement each other. And that's going to be a good thing, right? For Penn state fans, but Nicholas Singleton, uh, just seeing him get better at his role, being more confident in other aspects of his game that haven't been quite polished just yet to see him run for 122 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, the patience, the better vision, delivering hits rather than taking them still gets tripped up from time to time. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as frequent. You can see him keeping his legs churning and keeping the runs alive speed kills. And that was really only his trick to this point, but we've seen in the past two weeks that he's a more complete back than that. And Katron Allen didn't have a bad day. 16 carries, 73 yards, didn't find the end zone, but he found him three times last week against Indiana. So why not have the best of both worlds in this case? Last week it was a Catron game. This time it was a Nicholas Singleton game. I, I'm all for it. I appreciate what they can do uh, from the both of them. And, and their skill sets complement each other very well to just have a complete running game. Takeaway number two is the defense is the real deal. Even without Joey Porter Jr. and Curtis Jacobs available, both of the stars of this defense were out. Jair Brown was still out there. That was good. P.J. Mustafer. Uh, but when your two best players are not on the football field, you know, and you're going up against a Maryland offense, you might think, hey, this, this might be a tough day. This is going to be a tough day for the Nittany Lions. No, they, they proved that they are so much more than just two guys on the field. And that's been the case all season. Somebody has stepped up in a variety of ways. Take Chop Robinson, for example. This is his former team, and he goes out and he has a great performance with two sacks. Uh, Jair Brown coming, blitzing off the edge. Adisa Isaac creating pressure, also dropping back into coverage, being a spy. So this defense, you couldn't have asked for a better group with Manny Diaz at the helm. He's getting the best out of all of them. Seven sacks, nine tackles for a loss against a Maryland potent offense. Pressure all afternoon on Saturday. I, I, I really like this group. And as much as I respect Brent Pry and what he was able to bring and dial up when he spent his time at Penn State, Manny Diaz is just different. I think it's just because I like the all-out blitzes. It's a lot of fun to see just those guys under pressure. Talia can't get any footing. He's struggling. Uh, he's just looking at his guys. You need to block for me. And I, I think that's why Manny Diaz's defense works so well. And he has the players to do just that. But the defense is the real deal. And even without Joey Porter Jr. and Curtis Jacobs on the field, you're able to get the most out of the guys that are on the field. Takeaway number three, and this kind of is a little bit of an additional tangent uh, with Joey Porter Jr. This defense doesn't need him anymore. And, and it's not, well, I don't, I don't want him on the football field, but we've seen that they can be successful without him. 
And it's mostly pointing to the fact that Kalen King and Johnny Dixon are as good as advertised. I heard all offseason that a name to watch out for was, in fact, Johnny Dixon because the talk was around Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King. Respectfully, respectfully. But Johnny Dixon, they said, you know, he's going to be pushing for snap counts. He's going to get on the football field. He's not just going to be some role player. He's somebody they that they trust. And that is certainly the case. And with and, and back to the point about Joey Porter Jr., I don't know what the injury is. They said it's non-football related. James Franklin said that uh, in his post-game press conference. But whatever it is, you let's be honest, this team doesn't need him to be out there. You don't if I this is what I want to point out to everybody is that Joey Porter Jr. is going to have a career after Penn State. Why rush him back if it is something serious to play against Rutgers, to play against Michigan State, to play in a bowl game that honestly he was probably going to opt out of being that he's right now a top 15, maybe a top 10 pick in the 2023 NFL draft. I, I don't think it's necessary to bring him back. I know that he would love to be on the football field, but there's two points to this. Protect Joey Porter Jr. because he's got a long NFL career in front of him, but the Penn State defense will be just fine without him based on what lies ahead in the schedule uh, and, and what's at stake here. Uh, whatever injury it is, the defense is still very good. And thanks to guys like Kalen King and Johnny Dixon, Marquise Wilson, who will all be back next year. Like, think for the 2023 season for Penn State, like the secondary is not going to take a hit. Uh, with Joey Porter Jr. being gone, you would love to have him in there, but Kalen King and Johnny Dixon will be able to hold down the fort. That is definitely the case. My final takeaway here in uh, segment number one on this Monday show is it, it's something that we really need to think about and talk about, especially if you're a Penn State fan. Manny Diaz could really get some serious head coaching opportunities thrown at him in the offseason. I, Manny Diaz has the head coaching experience and I don't think he should have been fired from Miami of Florida. Like, okay, if you want to get rid of this guy, I, I will gladly, uh, you know, bring him in as a defensive coordinator. Like that was a home run hire by James Franklin and Penn state. But with that being said, you can't shy away from the fact that this guy's not going to be sought after by teams within the big 10 and just other nationally respected programs. I would imagine that Auburn gives Manny Diaz a call. I would imagine that Nebraska or Wisconsin, for example, I know Wisconsin has Jim Leonard, a, a, a young defensive coordinator that they believe uh, they, they see him as a future head coach. And that's why maybe they made the switch to uh, away from Paul Christ. But I see uh, Manny Diaz could potentially leave after one year at Penn state. I can't speak on his behalf. I don't know what he's thinking, but at the end of the day, I imagine that he wants to be a head coach, that he wants to run a program again, that he wants to get a sh second shot at all of this. And if Manny Diaz leaves his defensive coordinator after one year, it's going to be a big hit. And I, I don't know what Penn State would do, how they would adapt from that. Uh, maybe an Anthony Poindexter takes over, but that's besides the point. Just know that don't be surprised if the Manny Diaz coaching rumor mill speeds up a little bit as we get into the offseason out of college football. My name is Zach Seiko. This is Locked on Nittany Lions. It is the takeaway episode as Penn State beat Maryland 30 to nothing. It was another shutout. It felt very reminiscent of the Indiana game from 2021. When I come back here on this episode, we're going to talk more about some takeaways. I got three more for you, seven total, three more in segment number two, and then we will recap Penn State wrestling and Penn State men's basketball 
from last week how those two teams are doing. It is locked on Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by Upside. Inflation has us all thinking about different ways to cut back, whether it's driving less, dining out less, buying less from the grocery store. We can all agree nothing fun. There's nothing fun about less. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every purchase. To get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCK. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko, your host as always. Thanks so much for joining me. It is the takeaway episode, Penn State versus Maryland, 30-0 in the books at Beaver Stadium. Two more games on the schedule for Penn State. Rutgers, this upcoming Saturday, it is a 3.30 kick on Big Ten Network, and then Michigan State, which I anticipate to be a 3.30 kick as well because Michigan and Ohio State is the noon game, and they won't have Michigan State lined up with Michigan like that at the same time. They'll have it segue, and I imagine that ABC, ESPN, whichever whichever parent channel takes the game, it's just going to be another 3.30 kickoff. No more night games. I want Some people know about that rule, actually. The Big Ten uh, Conference doesn't allow night games late in the season like this unless it is agreed upon by both schools uh, prior to the season, actually. And I can imagine that uh, Penn State and Rutgers wanted a night game, nor Penn State and Michigan State prefer noon or 3.30 games here at this point in time. So seven takeaways total. I gave you my first four. Here are my final three. And we get to number five. Phil Troutwine deserves a lot of credit. Now, I brought up Manny Diaz and the coaching and what we could see this offseason with him. Uh, Phil Troutwine, I'm not implying that he's going to get an offensive coordinator job. Now, maybe he will. Maybe he will. I, I, I think that Phil could earn that if that's something that he really wants to do. Uh, but this was somebody that was scrutinized, got a lot of criticism. Maybe he deserved it at points in time, but Rome wasn't built in one day. And now we're seeing quite possibly the best offensive line situation in a long, very long time. As definitely under James Franklin. I mean, it has been nine years, so, but I think uh, even a little bit before that, Uh, Penn State's offensive line situation wasn't really that great with the loss of scholarships. Uh, So even Bill O'Brien and maybe even the tail end uh, of Joe Paterno, even before that whole situation came about. Right. Uh, But Phil Troutwine deserves a lot of credit. He is building something special when it comes to the offensive line room. You have three starters for Penn State missing action right now. Landon Tangwell's out for the season with an injury. He had surgery. He's out for the year. Caden Wallace is somebody that we could see back 
but we don't know for sure. And that was somebody that was rumored to come back, but he wasn't out in the game against Maryland. And then Olu Fashionu, I can't, this is just me personally, because I don't know the injury report more than any of you do. Olu Fashionu, I, because of his draft status, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses the rest of the season, uh, given the fact that it is Rutgers, it is Michigan State, and these people want to play. These players want to play. So I need to preface that. But if it is something that he's not going to be 100%, why rush him? Why risk it? Uh, but besides the point, Phil Troutwine is coaching like, like he's out of his mind because you are missing 60% of your starting offensive line and you were able to get this kind of production, this is a good Maryland team. Indiana, I totally get that. Uh, well, their defensive line's not that great. They're banged up, yada, yada, yada. I totally get that. I do. But to do it multiple weeks in a row where you have a true freshman is Drew Shelton starting at left tackle. You're able to go in the transfer portal and get a guy like Hunter Norzad, who is returning next year. That's Phil Troutwine's doing. To develop that talent, he... Deserves credit for where Olu Fashionu is right now. Both of them. You need both parts. Coaching and, and personal development in terms of what kind of player you are to practice, to take the coaching into consideration and not just ignore it. So there's two sides to this. But Phil Troutwine, I mean, I do not want him going anywhere. There were people that were saying he needs to be fired and he needs to do this. Penn State needs to find somebody else to coach the offensive line. And with the top offensive lineman that you have coming in next year, so now you're getting not only a great coach to work with them, but the talent to go along with it. And you might get a superstar offensive line in the next couple of years, three years here. I know that's your, you're playing the long game here when it comes to college football and recruiting the way that Penn State, James Franklin, and this coaching staff do. But you got to think for a second that Phil Troutwine, with, with the circumstances he's been coaching under, this Penn State offensive line group has certainly been the best. And it, a lot of it has to do with him and the way he's conducted himself and the way he's just coached up these players. So you're, when you're finding the right guys, when you're able to recruit the right guys as well, uh, it will translate onto the football field, and that's exactly what it's done. I mean, 249 yards rushing, that was cumulative between Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen and some of the backup running backs that got in. Uh, Tank Smith, Holtzworth uh, saw some action as well late in the game. I mean, all of that together, the offensive line, paved a lot of the way for that. And it's really good to see, especially with the question marks that would have been surrounding this group for how long? I can't even remember at this point in time. Takeaway number six is Penn State is ranked 11th in the AP Top 25. We're going to have to wait for that college football playoff ranking. I know that, but uh, 11, I think, is very fair. Uh, they're behind the likes of USC, Utah, I mean... 11 is a fitting ranking for this Penn State team, but you, you have to go back to the fact that they've only lost to Ohio State and Michigan. Those are the number two and number three teams in college football right now. Penn State's got a lot to hang. They can hang their hat on a lot of things right now because when you're going to finish 10 and two and your only losses are, you know, to Michigan and Ohio State, I find that a pretty successful season, especially when you had the expectations of seven and five this year. Uh, but 11's fair. I think they're a borderline top 10 team. So I'm glad they've moved up the way they have a few spots here. And I think that'll reflect in the college football playoff as well. Uh, they will win out. They're going to play in a New Year's Six Bowl. And this is going to be a very successful season 
And that's going to solidify the recruiting class for 2023 uh, and definitely will help out in 2024 if we can think that far ahead. So a lot of these, there's a lot of moving parts to all of this, but the fact that you have all these different components, you lost how many defensive starters last year, you lost your defensive coordinator, you had all these question marks on offense coming back in with Mike Yersich, Sean Clifford, Jahan Dotson leaving, and you've put this product on the field and you've gotten maximum production out of guys who are just 18, 19 playing their first years of college football. Like James Franklin might be doing the best coaching job he's ever done. And that, that could be, I guess, an extra takeaway here that this coaching staff, all of them, I know there was the 2016 season. I know how good that 2017 team was, but this might be the best coaching job that James Franklin has ever done to have all these changes, to lose so many guys to the draft, to graduation, to members of the coaching staff moving on. And for James Franklin to make this team so much better than the year before, I think is very telling. Uh, and like I said, you know, comment down below. If you think I'm, uh, you think I'm off the rails, so be it. I stand behind this. I think that this is the best coaching that we've seen out of James Franklin uh, at Penn state. Yeah. And that's, it's year nine. It, it takes some time, but I, I will take it, especially with the way the program uh, is heading, what direction they're in. And we'll finish up the takeaways here from Penn state's 30 to nothing win over Maryland. There is too much of a gap in the big 10. I, the big 10 is Michigan and Ohio state. And you work your way down Penn state. There's a little bit of a gap there. And then everybody else everybody else and, and this is a bigger picture maybe it's just because of the schedule that penn state drew you know your crossover was northwestern maryland isn't offering much resistance with michigan state and ohio and uh rutgers michigan state and rutgers aren't gonna pose that much of a threat to this penn state team i mean it's just for me it's the way that the schedule unfolded this year because outside of Ohio State and Michigan, and, and yes, Purdue as well because it was the season opener and the Boilermakers did give them a fight. What what game really, really jazzed up Penn State this season? There wasn't a lot of juice. Yeah, sure, the Auburn matchup was the SEC, but that's besides the point. Like, Let's just think about the Big Ten for a second. Ohio State Michigan gave Penn State their best fights all season. Purdue did as well, but that was a Penn State win. Northwestern wasn't close. Minnesota wasn't close. Maryland, I thought that was going to be the third toughest game on this schedule between Michigan and Ohio State. I thought that Maryland was going to be tougher than Purdue. I really did. And look what happened. It was a blowout. It was a shutout. I mean, an offense that I'm giving a lot of credit saying how talented they are. Uh, they're well coached. They finally have a, a stable quarterback in there in Talia Tungavaloa and zero points, right? So where in this, and then you have Rutgers and Michigan state remaining. So the big 10 really needs to look here and say, is USC and UCLA going to be enough? Because let's talk about the big 10 West for a second. There's a four way tie for the big 10 West right now. And whatever team makes it, does it even matter? Because Ohio state and Michigan will wipe the floor with them. I think it'll be Ohio state at the end of the season, but I don't care if it's Illinois I don't care if it's Purdue. I don't care if it's Iowa, Wisconsin, whoever. Nebraska technically can still factor into the Big Ten West Championship, if you can believe it. That uh, if you can believe that. But the Big Ten overall is just—it's very top-heavy. It's Ohio State, Michigan, da, 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 Penn State, 
and then everybody else. And I think that's honestly pathetic. Like, I, I don't know if it was just Penn State's schedule, but outside of those three games, outside of two and a half, really, because uh, Michigan, Ohio State, there was just that edge to it. Uh, nobody else really offered any resistance here, and it's a little disappointing. So I, I hope that Rutgers and Michigan State, just for the spirit of college football, play some good games against Penn State. But you you knew right out of the gate that Penn State was going to have no problems with these other Big, Ten's, Big Ten opponents. And it's just honestly a little disappointing. And when you think about it, Penn State would be in first place in the Big Ten West. They'd be they're five and two. They would be in first place right now and would face a Michigan or an, an Ohio State. You look at the rankings from last year for college recruiting for the class of 2022. One through seven. Guess how many members of the Big Ten West are in the top seven? Zero. None. That's a problem. After that is so one through seven, all Big Ten East teams, seven, eight through fourteen, all Big Ten West. Do away with the divisions, but don't listen to me because the Big Ten is still keeping the divisions for next season. USC, UCLA don't join until 2024. So what are you going to do then? That's besides the point. I just, I, I'm just a little disappointed with the way that the schedule has gone. I thought there were going to be some better matchups for Penn State. Maybe they're just that good of a team. I mean, they are borderline top 10, but I didn't think the gap between Penn State and everybody else was going to be so distant. I thought we were just going to get some better games. But I'll rest my case there. It is Locked on Nittany Lines. Thanks for joining me on this Monday episode. Penn State plays Butler today. It's going to be an 8.30 tip-off. A little bit of a brief preview. We'll talk about that Penn State win over Loyola, Maryland in the Bryce Jordan Center. And how about over in Rec Hall on the other side of campus? Penn State Wrestling gets it done against Lock Haven. No surprises that they are the number one team, the number one program. Honestly, they might be the best team in all of college athletics. That's not a controversial statement. That just might be the case. Uh, but Penn State wrestling, Penn State men's basketball, we'll talk about them in the final segment next. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. When I think of unbelievable uh, when I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be Nicholas Singleton's 122-yard rushing performance and the two-touchdown day he had against Maryland. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Uh, so if you haven't already, if you're listening, check out the video version on YouTube of this podcast. Locked on Nittany Lions on YouTube. And feel free to comment your takeaways from this game. How do you think Penn State will finish? What bowl game that they'll end up in? I think they're going to be in the Orange Bowl against maybe a Clemson or a UNC in North Carolina. Wouldn't that be fun? It would certainly be different uh, for Penn State to play one of those two teams. But how about men's basketball and wrestling? That's what our final segment's going to be devoted to. I'll have more on Penn State football throughout the week, of course. James Franklin's press conference, as always, and we got a preview Rutgers. I don't know how much there is to preview with Rutgers, but 
you have you have more than just football at Penn State, and it certainly is a luxury, especially with Micah Shrewsbury at the helm for this Penn State men's basketball team. They're two and zero to start the season. You have wins against Winthrop and Loyola Maryland. I know those are some smaller schools; they're mid majors, but they can provide some tough tests. Ninety to sixty five against Loyola Maryland, and this was a men's basketball team. If you weren't following them too much last year, they would not score the basketball. They would try to run down the shot clock and play as slow as possible to really squeak out that win. Not this year. They are going to push the pace with the guys that they have. They can run the floor. They are going to score as many points as possible. Penn State's averaging 91.5 points per game through these first two games. And in that game against Loyola, Maryland, Cam Winter, the transfer guard, had 18 points of his own. Now they play Butler tonight, 8.30 tip-off on Fox Sports 1 in the Bryce Jordan Center, third consecutive home game. Butler's got one game so far. They beat New Orleans 89-53. Uh, Manny Bates led the Bulldogs with 25 points and 11 rebounds. Chuck Harris had 17 points and three assists. Eric Hunter Jr. had 14 points and two assists. So those are some of the names you should be on the lookout for the Bulldogs as they come into the BJC. Now, while the Bulldogs played well, offensively in their first game, they did not shoot well. And that is going to bode well for Penn State, I must say. From three-point range, they made less than 20% of their shots. They also struggled from the free throw line. They made less than 70% of their free throws. Penn State's been a good free throw shooting team just thus far, and we've seen what they've done from three-point land. Like, they can light it up. For Butler, this is definitely a two-point team. They want to get to the basket, they want to get to the paint, and they want to be able to score from in range rather than get into a shootout, a shooting contest. Thad Mata is the head coach, and I can't say new because he's coached Butler before. And then he went to Ohio State. Now he's back at Butler. Butler fired its head coach last year after a very disappointing season. They finished second to last in the Big East. And normally they, they don't fire their head coaches. They let these guys stick around because they do such a great job. They had to let them go and they bring back Thad Mata. Uh, so, but Penn state and Butler head to head Penn state is a nine and a half point favorite. That's very telling the total set right now at 139 and a half. This is personal for Micah Shrewsbury. Micah Shrewsbury was an assistant on this team from 2008 to 2011. Now, Micah wasn't an assistant coach under Thad Mata, but obviously knows him well. Thad Mata was at Ohio State at the time. This is also personal for Coach Mata. Believe it or not, he interviewed for the Penn State head coaching job. Penn State reached out to him, had a whole interview process. They ultimately went with Micah Shrewsbury, and I'm glad they did. But rumor is that Coach Mata really wanted this Penn State job. So this is this is personal for the two of them for different reasons. Butler is a two-point team, as I mentioned, and they have some size in the front court, which could pose a problem for Penn State uh, all season long. They're just not that big in the front court. They got a freshman, Keba Jai, uh, but he will need that experience and time to build up before he really plays a serious role for Penn State. Uh, Penn State is the better team overall. Butler struggled last season mightily. I like Penn State to win. I don't have too much of a score prediction here. I think that there will still be some points scored, maybe not as many as 90 as it has been in the past two games for Penn State. But give me 80 to 70 Penn State over Butler. I think that speed that Penn State will throw at them is going to overwhelm the Bulldogs. But the Bulldogs are going to be very well coached this year. 
uh, despite not having necessarily the same talent as the Nittany Lions in the 2022-23 season. All right, on over to the Matt Men. Penn State Wrestling, 44-3 over Lock Haven. Penn State's number one in the country. We all know that. But this was a team that is, they're predicted to do some great things under Kale Sanderson once again. I, I've lost count of how many national champions they have. One, two, three. Oh yeah, they have 10. They could potentially capture an 11th team championship with all the individuals they could have. They had five last year. They could have even more than that, even more national champions uh, this year. But start to finish. They were excellent to have a guy like Roman Bravo Young back for an additional season. Uh, you have Bo Bartlett, who won at 141. He's now more in his comfortable weight. This is a Bo Bartlett is somebody that I have high expectations for, and Penn State Wrestling does as well. But he's a guy that was a nationally rated recruit, and now he's finally in his comfortable weight class. He was always wrestling up at 149. He's down a weight lower, and he is going to – I think he's going to set the world on fire – Honestly, he's one of my dark horse candidates to uh, to make a deep run in the postseason, the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament where he's had some earlier exits than he would have liked. Uh, another name that you need to know, because there's the superstars, there's the Carter Starachis who are ranked worldwide. There's Aaron Brooks, who's got the national title from a season ago. Max Dean, who transferred over and won a national title of his own. Greg Kirkfleet, who's currently second in the country, who could also factor into a national title conversation this year. But I want to look at the freshman, Alex Facundo, who will play a significant role in the team scoring, but also individually. He's right now he's ranked 23rd. I, I think he's he could really factor into a, a Big Ten title run at 165, and that is high praise. He was the number one recruit in the country when he was coming out of high school at his respective weight class. After getting into the Penn State program, he's now situated, and he's starting for as young as he is. I really like what he brings to the mat. I think he's somebody that could have an incredible season. So just keep an eye on Alex Facundo. And there's really nothing else to be said about these other guys. You know, Aaron Brooks, Carter Storacci, like they all handled their business. Major decision for Carter Storacci. Tech fall for Aaron Brooks. Max Dean picked up a pin. Greg Kirkfleet picked up a pin. Like it's just business as usual. And Lock Haven, for, for what it's worth, is actually a really competitive program. They are a truly because they're Pennsylvania just eats, sleeps and breathes wrestling and, and Lock Haven is a beneficiary of that. They're well coached uh, and I think they will do well against the respective competition, but they just kind of uh, they, they went up against the, the best program there is in all of wrestling. Now up next for the Nittany Lions and Kale Sanderson, that is the Army Invitational that they go to West Point, New York, and they're going to wrestle the Black Knights uh, this upcoming Sunday, the 20th of November and it should make for so it should make for a good outing here. My name is Zach Sago. This is Locked on Nittany Lions. More recap of Penn State and Maryland analysis. See if we can get some any uh, any updates about those missing players and if they will be back this season. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Seiko. You can follow the show at Locked on Nittany. That is also on Twitter. And subscribe to the YouTube. Turn on the bell for notifications and leave comments, feedback. I want to hear from you, your thoughts on the team, your thoughts on the show, anything you'd like to say. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. 
Locked on Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.